Awesome. I'm glad y'all are loving each other well. We're good. I know it, right? Hey, good job, guys. We love you. Good morning. Uh, my name is Andrew, and I am one of the church planning residents on staff here at Salt Church, and uh, I get the privilege of preaching this morning. If you have your Bible, I hope that you would turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 3 through 16 this morning, uh, and we're going to be talking about a, a really, really specific subject where most of the time we might glance over, we might just kind of walk through something that we just don't run after most of the time as a church. But I'm thankful that as Salt Church walks through the Bible, uh, we don't skip hard passages or just hard text or, or just text that we just normally wouldn't just preach through. And so I believe this morning this passage is one of those, and I think it's a really good passage for us to hear. And so as we continue to walk through 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage him uh, as he's leading the church in Ephesus. Uh, there's some things that are going on at that church, uh, specifically when it comes to sound doctrine and theology and how they're allowing some false doctrine and theology to kind of creep into their midst. And that can happen so many times. That can happen even into our church today that we can look at culture and we can look at what the culture would say and that we can allow that to kind of penetrate to who we are as a local body. And so Paul was writing and he's like, he's telling Timothy, hey, the functioning church of which you're leading in Ephesus should be like this. And I want you to meet those difficulties and meet those false doctrines and theologies head on. I don't want you to, to kind of sweep them under a the rug and act like they're not there. And so this morning, as you look at the passage that I've already given you, you may be thinking and seeing this, what does widows have to do with false doctrine or false theology? Well, in that time, there is a, a group of people... Uh, that were teaching that widows uh, should not be doing certain things, that they should be doing certain things that were totally contrary to what Scripture would say. And so Paul was reiterating the instructions for the church that is seen throughout the Bible, and more specifically in the New Testament, but really from the beginning of the local church when it comes to widows. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6, verse 1, widows really have been neglected from the forefront of the eyes of the church. Acts 6, 1 says, in those days, as disciples were increasing in number, those around, uh, those arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. And so the, basically, the widows were not being taken care of. They were looking at all the other disciples, looking at all the other people that were growing, but this group of women were not being cared for. And so the disciples raised up men in the church to take care of them. What we would think today as deacons, that was kind of their role. It was the first deacons um, of the church. And so to bring that into our context, our context, this should be taken seriously by the local church. Because if it's not, then just like the church in Ephesus, just like the church as it was beginning in Acts, we can kind of sweep those things under the rug and feel like they don't even matter. We've been given a command to take care of the vulnerable. Those who at many times would feel lost and hopeless and, and, and all alone. James 1.27 says this, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after the orphans and widows. To look after the orphans and the widows, two vulnerable groups in our society. As we see this command, what comes to mind? Am I doing this? And if I am doing this, am I doing this well? 
And most importantly, knowing this command of taking care of orphans and widows, and what we'll look at specifically this morning on the widow side, how does that shape my life? Because the passage that I have this morning and the title that I kind of gave the sermon is God's heart for the widow. In this passage, we see God's heart for a vulnerable group in widows. So knowing that, how does that shape our life? So if you have your Bible, we're going to jump into chapter 5 of 1 Timothy. And we're going to go verses 3 through 16. And then we're going to kind of take those uh, verses at a time and kind of piece some things together of what we see Paul trying to instruct Timothy to do. So if you have your Bible, follow along. We're going to start in verse 3. It says, support widows who are genuinely in need. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family. First, and to repay their parents, for this pleases God. The widow who is truly in need and left all alone has put her hope in God and continues night and day in her petitions and prayers. However, she is self-indulgent and is dead even while she lives. Command this also so that they will uh, be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow is to be enrolled on the list for support unless she is at least 60 years old, has been a wife of one husband, and is well known for good works. That is, if she has brought up children, shown hospitality, washed the saints' feet, helped the afflicted, and devoted herself to every good work. But refuse to enroll younger widows, for when they are drawn away from Christ by desire, they want to marry. And will therefore receive condemnation because they have renounced their original pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle, going from house to house. And they're not only idle, but they're also gossips and busybodies, saying things they shouldn't say. Therefore, I want, to, I want younger women to marry and have children, manage their households, and give the adversary no opportunity to accuse us. For some have already turned away from, to follow Satan. If any believing woman has with, uh, if any believing woman has widows in her family, let her help them. Let the church not be burdened so that it can help widows in genuine need. And so the passage is pretty clear for us this morning about what it means for widows. And for some of us right now, that may be the reality that we're dealing with. That may be the life that we are dealing with right now of having someone in our, our close circle that is, is in this vulnerable group. I'll also go out on a limb and say many of us come to a passage and, and think like this of, I'm checking out this morning because this has nothing to do with me. I'm only in college, just a college student. I'm not in that season of life yet. I don't have to deal with this yet. But I would hope that everyone in this room this morning, just as I told the first service, that everyone in this morning would see this passage and hear the main idea. That God's heart for the widow should be in us. First and foremost, that God loves this group of women and we should as well. We should have a heart for this group because scripture is clear that the church is to care for others. Here, we're supposed to love God and love our neighbors. Today, the primary mode of seeing that is widows. And so that's what we're going to talk about. A lot of times we see the pairing of widows and orphans that are often put together, they're synonymous with one another because they are two vulnerable groups that the church can show that we truly do love the world because we are going to care for those who are most in need. Are we doing our part? 
do we even know what that looks like? When it comes to caring for this group, do we even know how to do that? If that's not for me now, it probably will be later. So how do I do that? How can I live a life shaped by Christ that God's heart for the widow is in me and I continually to show that as I've served Jesus through my life? Because in Ephesus, it was a completely different context than our day to day, right? In, in that section of the world, in that time frame, if a woman lost her husband, she would have nothing. Nothing. Everything was wrapped around her marriage and her husband, her well-being, completely reliant on him. And so if he died, she would have nothing. In our context, we see it a little bit different. Because in our context, we have life insurance, we have disability, we have 401ks, we have assisted living centers, nursing homes, all which are good things. All are things that come and help and aid, but the danger is, and when we see all these things, we will forsake our responsibilities in taking care of those who we've been called to take care of. The calling which has been given to us by God is a great calling, and we can't just pass the buck because we want our lives to be unhindered. It's easily uh, to be disobedient to what the Word says in this moment, in this, this text of taking care of widows. Because we can get wrapped up in our lives. We can get wrapped up in what we want to do. So today I want to look at four charges that have been given to us in this passage. Two of these commands of which have given to um, two groups of people, specifically church and family. And then there's two charges given to an older widow and charges for a younger widow. And so the first charge that we see, and what I would hope for us to see at Salt Church this morning, is the charge for the church. The charge for the church. Verse 3 says, support widows who are genuinely in need. Those who are genuinely in need, who are part of the local body of the church, who have no family, who have no one else to take care for, the church is responsible for taking care of those women. Plain and simple. It's clear it's meant for the widows in the church. That the church be taking care of their family. However, I don't want us to walk through this text and think about the people that live next to us, your neighbor, someone who lives down the street who has no one taking care of them, and that you can show the love of Christ by taking care of their needs. Because yes, as the church, we are, to call, we are called to take care of those women who are involved with our church, but as a follower of Christ, we are called to love our neighbors. But as for the church, it is to care for the widows in the church. There's some requirements to that. Uh, there's some things that the, the widow has to be, and we see that in the passage. These are listed uh, of these requirements because there are so many false doctrines that were being put into practice, and for the church, they needed to use their resources wisely, and they needed to take care of the women who were actually in need. And so Paul was writing this to Timothy, and he's like, you need to support widows who are genuinely in need. You cannot forget this. And so as the church, we must do the same. I would say that most of the time, we will forget about the older widow. Most of the time, we'll forget about the older widow because most of the time, they are going to not, they're not going to ask for help. They won't ask for help. At least that's what it's been in my experience. I had the pleasure of being an interim pastor for a couple of years right before moving to Florida. In those churches that I was pastoring for, the, the majority of those churches was older people and most of them were widows or widowers. 
And I can tell you, if anything was going wrong, most of those people were stubborn, and they were like, I'm going to do this on my own. But just because that is the mindset doesn't mean that we walk away from our responsibility of the church of helping and supporting the widow. We must think of the older widow, a lady who has been taken care of for so long, who loses a husband and feels like she has lost everything that she's ever known. We also must think of the younger widow, where a husband may have bailed and said, I don't want to have any responsibility in this marriage or with these children because I want to have what I want to have. We must think of the widow that may be in the middle of her life, who has lost her husband, maybe to sickness or disease or service to our country. I've seen more and more stories like that in our time right now just because of COVID. When I get on Facebook, I see these younger widows or middle-aged widows that are losing their husband and have three, four, five kids. We cannot forget to care for those who God has entrusted us with. Because in verse 3, Paul's telling Timothy, support the widows who are in genuinely in need. Support those widows in your church as the body of Christ. And that word support in the original context is an active verb, right? And so it's going to take effort. It's going to take something to move us and to do something in order to care for someone, to love someone. It's going to cost us something. And one thing about it, it shouldn't be a burden. Timothy was younger in his age. We saw that from the passage last week that Paul was preaching through. And this room this morning is filled with younger adults. I would like to say that I'm still in that younger adult range. My hair doesn't show that. But for younger adults, for us, like for younger people, we will tend to forget about our elders. We will tend to forget those who, who God has been placed in our lives who have cared for us. But as younger people in this room, we cannot forget that God's heart should be in us and we should have a heart for the widow. We will have to change the way that we think and change how we think about that now. Because if we don't change the way that we think about that now, you'll continue to grow, you'll continue to get older, and you won't ever even put it in your brain or in your mind. And I know that as a young person, it feels like the world revolves around you. And I figured out as I've had kids, that's kind of born in us. That when my kids come running into the room and they ask for goldfish, that means get them goldfish right now. <laughs> and if not, everything's going to fall apart. But the thing is, I don't think we grow out of that. We just get older and older and older, and we think that the, the world revolves around us, and it's an innate nature. But Scripture tells us that we must die to ourselves, and if we are going to care for the widow, and as a church, and we're going to care for those who are in our, our uh, body of Christ, we got to die to ourselves, and we have to know that we have to put them before ourselves. And maybe as you're thinking right now, that you may have family that needs support. You may know someone on your street right now that needs your help. What does that look like in your life? What actions might you need to take in your life right now in order to be the body of Christ? Because this is not just for the younger audience, it's for all of us. Warren Wearsby, a theologian I, I, I read all the time, he says this. He said, the church is family. Treat the older members like your mother and father 
and the younger members like your brothers and sisters. And I believe that this is the way to keep this in the forefront of our mind. When we think as the body of Christ that we are families, members, a part of God's family, that we will care for one another, specifically the widow. So as a church, how do we keep reminding ourselves? Because obviously Timothy needed to be reminded of it. It was a problem in the early church. It's starting to be a problem in Ephesus, and Paul's writing to them. And in Ephesus, there was more widows in the church that the church could even take care of. And so Paul's like, this responsibility shouldn't be fully on the church. And so what he does, there is a charge for the church, but there is a primarily a responsibility for the family. And that's our second charge this morning, is a charge for the family. We have been called to take care of our mothers and grandmothers, bottom line. God has given us as human beings, to take care of our mothers and grandmothers, and then we must do what it takes. And that call should not be taken lightly. That call shouldn't be taken lightly. We should have joy in that. I know when I say that, we're thinking, man, that's a lot. What am I going to do? How do I do that? I just want to hang out with my friends. I have a wife. I have kids. I got to take care of them. But what a privilege it should be to not to make that feel like a burden, to be able to take care of our families, to be able to love widows in this way. So church this morning, I want to encourage you that the word calls us to love our families in this way, that we can bless these women by caring for them, by loving them for all of what they've done us throughout our entire lives. We give them love and care in return. I have not seen a better example of this than in my wife Megan's life and her family and my family's life. Megan has had two grandmothers um, that I've seen do this really, really well. Uh, When I first met Megan, her great-grandmother was just elderly and she was bed-bound. She couldn't get out of bed. But Megan's grandmother took care of her like crazy, like spent all of her time doing that until the day that she died. Now Megan's grandmother is getting a little bit older, and now we see Megan's mom carrying that responsibility of taking care of her mother. And I hope that we learn from experience in that way, that we see their lives and know that when that time comes for us, we will do the same. Verse 4 says this, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, Let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family first and to repay their parents for this pleases God. It is a practice of godliness that we show love to our families, that we love those who need us the most. It's proof that we know Christ. If God's heart is in us, we should have a heart for our families, specifically the widow, our mothers and grandmothers. Some theologians even say that this is a proof of salvation. If you look at verses 7 and 8, it says this. It says, command this also so that they will be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than the unbeliever. How do we argue with that assumption? That if we fail to have God's heart in us for the widow that we are looked at worse than an unbeliever, that maybe never even known Christ in the first place. Because if we truly know Christ, if he's truly 
changed our hearts, then guess what? We will have a heart for these women. Easy. We won't even have to think about it. Because we know that in our time of helpless, need, lost, completely hopeless, Christ changed us. And when we needed Christ to change us most, these women need us most in this time of their life. Paul is taking this seriously, to take care of our mothers and grandmothers. And that may be different for all. Most of you in this room right now, if you're thinking right now, I have a mother or grandmother in my life that I can take care of. What would that look like? It could be just a phone call, just to talk. It may mean going there and buying grocery once a week and unloading them and putting them wherever they are. It may be working on a house, an air conditioner, whatever it may be. It's our responsibility of families first to take care of those that we love, not the church. If the widow has no one else, then the church is supposed to step in and function as a local body and love these women. We have been called as a family members to have God's heart for the widow. These women should never be neglected by the family or by the church. And not only do we have a charge for the church and we have a charge for the family, Paul gives a charge to these group of women, two specific groups, one being the older widow and one being the younger widow. And so as we as the church and the family encourage and love these widows, we are encouraging them to be women of Christ. And so this may be you this morning. You may be in one of these two groups. I don't know. But I want to encourage you that God loves the widow. He loves you and wants you to have faith and to walk with Christ. He wants you to thrive in him, to thrive in who Jesus is. And that's not just for an elderly widow who may have lost her husband. That could be, as Paul mentioned in our first service at the end, that could be a young woman whose husband completely left her and abandoned her. That God still has purpose for both of these groups of women. And so as for us in this room, we are here to show care, show us how to lead. We can all be learners in how we can encourage these two groups of women as we see the charge for them in their lives. And so the third charge that we see is the charge for the older widow. The charge for the older widow. It says, but if any, if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them practice godliness towards their own family. And their own family first and repay their parents, for this pleases God. The widow is truly in need and left alone, all alone, has put her hope in God and continues night and day in her petitions and prayers. However, she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. So here I want to show a couple of areas where the older widow should be. And it will show her call and show her heart for God. An older widow, first and foremost, should be a woman of prayer. A woman of prayer. It says, a widow who is truly in name, verse 5, and left all alone, has put her hope in God and continues night and day in her petitions and prayers. These women have gone through a lot in life, gone through most craziest things that you ever think about, more than we would ever even imagine in our life right now, at least my life. I remember just stories of my great-grandmother telling me about the Great Depression and her and her family living in a tent in the middle of the desert in Arizona. And I'm like, I get stressed out when my air conditioner's not hitting 70, you know? 
But these women have been through so much. They've cared for husbands, most likely cared for kids. But now they're at a point in life that they have ample time and opportunity to be prayer warriors. And I can tell you that with all the, the elderly women that I've been around who, who are widows, they have mostly been prayer warriors that will do whatever it takes to pray for the needs of the church and for individuals who walk with Christ. An excerpt from a, a commentary I read this week by Susan Hunt says this, It seems to me that widows have entered into a dimension of dependence on God that prepares them for the ministry of intercessory prayer. The widow's might was recognized and committed by Jesus because she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. Perhaps the widow's might, M-I-G-H-T, is most mighty when these women band together as helper, defenders, and intercessory prayers. Older women who do not have the daily responsibilities of jobs are a powerful source for intercessory prayers. Older widows can greatly impact the kingdom of God through their prayers. I know that firsthand. When Megan and I were getting ready to move to Florida to start this church planting journey, uh, my grandmother was that lady I ran to. I knew she was going to pray. We should encourage this group of women to pray without ceasing because they have the ample time to do that and they want to. I think about Tina, who's in our church right now. If you don't know Tina, that's Ryan's mother. I'm sure you have. She's a great encourager. But she is here every Sunday morning praying over our services. I know she's praying throughout the week. We see a great picture of what this looks like for older widows to love the church in this way. If you look at Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 37, it says, There also was a prophetess named Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, a tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and as a widow for 84 years. A widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. What a picture of a woman who loves Christ, that even after she felt like she'd probably lost everything, but for 84 years, night and day, that she was fasting and praying. I believe that this is what God wants for the older widow. I believe this is what us as a church should encourage these women to be, a woman who fully trusts and has faith in Christ. Church, we can learn so much. Not only were they to be devoted to prayer, they're supposed to be devoted to service. And we see that in verse 10, it says that she's well known for good works. If she's going to be cared for, she needs to be known for this. That is, if she's brought up children, shown hospitality, washed the saints' feet, helped the afflicted, and devoted herself to every good work. All these traits are showing a necessary trait of an older widow. Why? Because in all widow, these women are necessary and vital parts of the body of Christ. We should encourage these women to be this. We need that type of leadership. If you've never come across an older lady, I can tell you, they're not afraid to speak their mind. Trust me. But a lot of times when they speak their, their mind, there's wisdom in that. There's life lessons, life impactness that has happened to them that they will lead out of. 
And it's desperately needed for the discipleship of younger women and younger widows. God has a heart for the widow, not only in care, but in her service. Our heart should model that. And as we lean into this wisdom, we should encourage these wisdom. We are to encourage older widows to continue to serve faithfully because we need them. Desperately. Not only is there a charge for the older widow, but there is also a charge for the younger widow. And I would believe that the younger widow might be in a most difficult position than any of these groups that we've already looked at this morning. More difficult than the church, the family, or the older widow. Because if you think of of the younger widow and she loses her husband or her husband abandons her in some way alone, life is all ahead of them and now feels alone and unsure of what's next. But Paul is writing to Timothy to give Timothy some instructions and ways to encourage them. He needs to know that the church is looking after them if the family is not. Again, we need to make sure that we're looking at the context of this passage Because Ephesus was in a different time, completely different than our context now. And it might confuse us when we read some of this. And Paul is hesitating. If you you see, um, if you rock back to, if I can find it, verse 11. He says, verse 11, but refuse to enroll younger widows for when they are drawn away from Christ by their desire, they want to marry. And so Paul is hesitating calling younger widows to the same type of service that he has called the older ones. Why? Because he's been hearing some things happening in Ephesus. He's been hearing some rumblings of some division, some uh, things that are happening within this group of women that is not really edifying of the church. And so what is happening? It is clearly in this verse is that they desire to be married. These women were not content in Christ, these younger widows. They were still young. They had life ahead of them. They couldn't really focus. Probably, most of them probably had children where their provisions are going to come from. And so their mind was just wandering in this way. And so what does that show? It says that they learn, you go walk, continue walking through the passage, that they've learned to be idle. They feel like they have no purpose. They've lost what has meant most of them, and so they just are just there. And then it continues to move through their mind and their heart process, and it says they become gossips and busybodies. That's kind of self-explanatory. These women, these younger widows are just kind of getting together and they're gossiping and they're busybodies. They're causing division and dissension. And Paul is encouraging Timothy to help these younger widows find their worth in Christ. So he gives them some instructions to do. First one is plain. He says, encourage these younger widows to get married, to remarry. And so that verse, when that sticks out, might be what we would think is contrary to another passage in Scripture. If we look at 1 Corinthians 7, 8, where Paul is telling the unmarried and the, and the widows that it's best to remain single. Why is it to best remain single? Because you have more time to serve Christ in greater capacities when you're single. And so in 1 Corinthians 7, 8, Paul is telling these two groups of the unmarried and the widow, it's best to remain single. But here in this passage, he's saying these women need to get remarried. Why? Paul is telling the younger widows to remarry because false teachers in the church of Ephesus was telling them that if they uh, got remarried, that they were sinning against God. They were going against what God wants. And that was far from the truth. 
it's better, what Paul is saying, is it's better to remarry than get wrapped up into the things that were, they were getting wrapped up. They were saying things that they shouldn't say. They are busybodies. They are gossips. They were just kind of moving around in idleness. And they're not using their singleness the way that they should be able to use it. And so this morning, as we look at that, ultimately it was hurting the church. And so Paul's like, no, they need to remarry, have children, and manage their household. What a high call for a younger widow to remarry and to take on the role to disciple and to mold her children. I love to see my wife do this with kindness and gentleness because I don't have that. I grew up in a military family. It was get it done and do it now. My wife doesn't have that heart, and I'm thankful for that. But Paul saw this. He, he knew that like these younger women, if they get remarried, they'll be able to love their families. Younger widows are encouraged to take on this role. And so I would hope this morning that if you desire to have children, that it would not be a burden but a blessing to be able to be a huge part in the discipleship of your children as a woman. It is great to have a career and great to run at something, to earn a living. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I don't want you to think that, that there's any less worthy of a call for Christ to call you into caring and loving your home in this way. Paul wanted the younger widow, just as the older widow, and just as anybody in the church, to thrive in their walk with Christ. And he knew for the younger widow it was better for them to remarry and focus on loving Christ and loving their children and managing their household at this time in this context. So this morning, as we've seen God's heart for the widow, how he wants them to thrive within the body of Christ, would our hearts match his? Can we say that of our lives? Can we say that of our church? As Salt Church continues to grow and continues to have more and more people come into its body of believers, more and more, which may be a younger widow, which may be an older widow, how do we live out our love for Christ by loving the widow? How do we as family members live out our love for Christ by loving those who are closest to us? Verse 8 continues to stick out with me. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own family, and I'm thinking in just vague terms now of my own family personally, but in my family as, as a body of believers, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and worse than an unbeliever. We all have family. We all most of us probably have a mother or a grandmother that will need us. There will be people, a part of our local body of Christ, that will need love, care, and support. And God's heart is clear for these women, that God loves these women and wants them to thrive and wants them to love him and to grow and continue to grow until the day that they die. Our heart should be for that as well. What I believe, though, is that only happens if Christ has changed our hearts. Before Christ changes, changes our hearts, our hearts are dirty, rotten, selfish in every nature. 
We do not desire in our sinful being to run and to care for someone more than we care for ourselves. But what Jesus did on the cross, he gave us a picture of completely dying on the cross, dying to himself, loving us, giving us a sacrificial love, giving up everything on our behalf, showing us what his heart looked like. So even in the terms of taking care of the widow, that we should have his heart and we should know and want him to change us so that we can love other people in the exact same way. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if you're a college student, if you're a young adult, older adult, widow, or not. But what I can tell you is Christ loves you. He wants to change you. He wants to mold you. He wants to give you a new purpose. And that's to know Christ and to make his name known among the nations, as we have already heard this morning. What a great call. A part of that call is loving a vulnerable group of women who need their families and who need their church. What might that look like for us? What steps of that would we might need to take today? Maybe picking up the phone, making a trip. How do we reach out to Christ to mold our heart to look like his? Let's pray.